Holy Spirit. Jesus is no longer with us, and he loved us so much he didn't want us to be alone, so he left the Holy Spirit to be with us. And last week we talked a little bit about uh, the Holy Spirit, God's presence preparing us, and Jesus took the guys up on the mountain. He was transformed, and, and we shared that you know, the presence of God is not there so that we stay and play and we just think, oh, this is awesome, and, and it is awesome, but it's there to prepare us and to propel us out into a lost and hurting world. And I was thinking this morning that, uh, especially when we were singing that big exalted song, that I believe that we can have those same results. You see, there was a point when Peter, James, and John are up on the mountain and Jesus gets glorified. He begins to shine and, and, and glow, really. And Peter has this incredible revelation. He says, it is good for us to be here. Can I tell you that if we as a church can come in and glorify Jesus, when other people see that, they will say, it is good for us to be here. Right? When they see you glorify Jesus in your homes, in your small group, on your job, they may understand it is good for us to be here. But it's also not the most easy thing that we can talk about, and, and yet it's this wonderful gift of God that should unite us, that should empower us, and it should help us to pray more effectively and witness more effectively, but it also seems to be at the center of controversy in a lot of churches and a lot of Christians because of various styles of belief and how we do that. And so I'm just going to point you at the Bible. I'm not going to go by any specific doctrine this morning. And what I need you to do is just let's look at Scripture and see who the Holy Spirit is. And maybe you've had learned about it through a filter, and there's probably people that are like, man, we need more of the Holy Spirit, and we need it like this. Great. We need more of the Holy Spirit. And there may be some of you this morning like, I'm not so sure about the Holy Spirit. That's kind of weird. I kind of grew up in that. I saw that, and uh, it kind of gives me the, whew, uh, and everybody in between. So what I'm asking you to do is take off your learning, take off the filter, and let's just look at Scripture. Because Scripture is truthful, and Scripture will point us to the right understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what we're supposed to do with Him. Is that all right this morning? So I'm going to pray before we get started. Here we go, Lord. I pray that this will be, become more clear, more attractive, that there will be less controversy, there will be less uh, separation, but that by Your power as we read Your Scriptures, it will be open to our hearts and our minds, and we will understand the incredible gift of the Holy Spirit that's been given to the church. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you still remember your first interaction with the Holy Spirit? Anybody? Maybe some of you are still waiting, <laughs> and that's okay. But again, most of you that have been around a little bit, uh, I didn't grow up in church, so the concept of a Holy Spirit was completely new to me. And I remember being in church and listening to a very wise and uh, incredible pastor, and, and most of what he was saying was going right over my head. I had no idea what he was talking about. 
I didn't know how to navigate the Bible. I didn't know any scripture. I was just, I was, I mean, I was less than a baby. I was just sitting there. I was just showing up. But something began to happen. And at first, again, I shared this, uh, you know, uh, started with worship, and I began to get a little self-conscious, and I wouldn't sing, and I wouldn't, but pretty soon something began to work on me. But the moment, my first, what I would call real interaction with the Holy Spirit, came before I was saved. And some of you may say, I, I don't know that that's possible. It's possible. It was in a very bad and low state of my life. And I had a choice before me. I knew trouble was coming. And it's a long story. We won't go there. And in that moment, I'm standing outside, and I've got two choices. My first response was run. You better get out of here. Trouble's coming. And in that moment, I heard another voice that I could have swore was on the outside say, aren't you tired of running? That was the first time. I didn't say, it's the Holy Spirit. I didn't know any of that. And I sat down and I waited for trouble to come. Trouble came. <laughs> Years later, I'm in a church, married, kids, just attending. I've been listening to messages, sermons, engaging in worship. And a pastor was giving a message that gripped my heart, and I didn't know why. For the very first time, I understood what he was saying. It was very simple, and yet I didn't know what to do with what I was feeling. And I know now that the Holy Spirit was convicting me, not condemning me, but convicting me. And a watermark moment happened in my life when a pastor gave the altar call. And it was like he had zeroed right into me. He gave the altar call. And I don't remember much of the rest of it, the beginning or the end of it. But as he was talking about having people come forward, he said, aren't you tired of running? Now remember, years have passed, not weeks. And it was like all of a sudden, back to that day, my heart is pounding out of my chest, and it was like I was the only one in the room, and I didn't care about anything else. And I made my way to that altar, and the load of that sin got poured out. And what came after that conviction was the incredible embrace of the Holy Spirit that didn't point backwards, but pointed me to who I am in Christ. And I didn't even know who that was at that moment, other than everything's about to change. 
and I'm not who I used to be. And if you've had a different experience, I'm sure you have. But I'm telling you, the, one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of our sin, not, not to punish us, but to put the past behind us and to develop in us who we're supposed to be in Christ. And until that day comes, you will wrestle with your old life and the new life that's waiting for you. And a decision will need to be made. Will I embrace the powerful conviction and the promise of the Holy Spirit, or will I ignore it? Will I quench it? Will I, I just kick back against it? I'm not saying I deny the Holy Spirit, but I'm, not, I'm just not going there. He's calling for us to be Spirit-filled, Spirit-led believers. That's what the Bible says. And there's been much discussion over this, but I, I just want to assure you, God shows in His Word what He expects for us. And sometimes it's maybe not what you learn and not what you grow up in, but again, I'm going to trust the Bible because the Bible can be trusted. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, if you'd turn with me to John chapter 16. We're going to read some verses here. John chapter 16, verses 7 through 11. Jesus is still with his disciples, and he knows that they're going away, or he knows that he's going away. And he's setting up the disciples to become the church of the future, just like for us. And so for every new believer, every person that's following Jesus, this is also speaking to you. And this is what he says. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. They were always saying, where are you going and why can't we follow? And he's like, it's for your advantage that I'm going away. For if I do not go away, look at this. Look what he says. The helper will not come to you. Notice that he didn't say Holy Spirit. He gave him a title of one of his attributes. What's one of the attributes of the Holy Spirit? He's a helper. And he's, I'm going to send him to you, right? Verse 8, now look at this. He's a helper. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. That's part of his job. He's helping us. We'll get to that in a minute. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And he goes on. He says, let me explain. Verse 9, he's convicting of sin because they do not believe in me. So let's stop right there. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, then I want you to know that hell is your default situation. You will not make it to heaven. You will not make it to eternal life without Jesus Christ. And that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit, just like it was in my life to say, you've been doing it wrong. You've got to stop being what you were and take this opportunity to get right with God. I didn't commit to the Holy Spirit when I came to the altar. The Holy Spirit pointed me to a relationship with Jesus Christ because He's the one that takes care of our sin. So He's the helper that says, I'm helping you by showing you the answer. 
I'm helping you by pointing out what's wrong. Your wrongness is all of your sin, all of your stupid decisions up to this point, and here's the answer. I'm here to help you. He says that I'm also going to, the Holy Spirit's also going to convict of righteousness because I go to my Father and you will see me no more. If I don't go away, I can't stand before Him as your mediator and declare you righteous before God. Now, did you know that the Holy Spirit will help us with that? He says His Spirit will bear witness with our spirit that once you are saved, now you can have the affirmation that Jesus Christ is making amends on your behalf. He's with the Father saying, I paid for them. I paid for their sin, and they are now mine. And so because they're mine, they're now yours. And he's there to remind us of that because we also have an adversary and we also have our flesh that after we get saved, we may be tempted and fall into sin again and we say to ourselves, I guess it didn't work. That's when the Holy Spirit comes in and says, it did work. You're still my child. You can still walk out of this, but you can't go back to what you are doing. You need to assume the righteousness of Jesus on your life. Then he says... I'm convicting them of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And make no mistake, that's not us. That's the devil. So you've got a choice. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, you're still under the ruler of this world, which means you haven't been accepted, you haven't been forgiven, and you're standing in opposition to God. And let me tell you, that's not a good place to be. And you may be saying, hey, I've got no problems. Everything's cool. It may be cool here, but someday you're going to stand before God, and it won't be cool. He's going to look at you. And in that day, which terrifies me because of the people that I know that are resistant, I know that I'm secure in Jesus Christ. But he's going to look at a huge number of people. It says that the number is without number, and he's going to divide them right and left. And a decision is going to be made. A judgment is going to be made. To one half, he's going to say, I know you. Enter into my rest. All of our worries and all of our work is done. And that's awesome. But to the other group, he says, I do not know you. And I want you to cast them into the lake of fire where the worm doesn't die and the fire always burns. And I'm not here to scare you this morning. Scaring doesn't work. Guilt doesn't work. I'm just telling you, unless you make a decision, your default will be separation from Christ forever. There's no praying your way out. There's no purgatory where people can light enough candles or do enough good deeds. When the decision is made and you've only got this life to make that decision, once that decision is made, you're either Christ or you're not. There's no in-between. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit, that when we mess up, He says, hey, get right with God. And when you're stuck in sin, He's going to try to convict you. He's going to point you towards the Word. He's going to say, hey, you know this is wrong, and you may not know what to do right, but don't try to do what's right. Just go after Jesus. We can't be righteous enough on our own. 
And we spoke about that last week. We've got a whole generation of modern believers that are just trying to live a good life. And it's impossible without the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us and strengthen us and empower us. It's impossible to live the life that Jesus wants us to live. It's only through the Holy Spirit that empowers us to become and do what he asks us to do. Because we're going to read stuff that we don't want to do. We're going to read stuff that we say, well, I'm not buying it. And that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. There's a great story in there of a young ruler. He says he's a rich young ruler that runs up and catches Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I want to, I want to have eternal life. And he said, well, do the commandments. He said, I've been doing those since I was a child. And Jesus looks at him. He said he looked at him in love. And he said this powerful thing, one thing you lack What's that? I want you to sell all your stuff and come follow me. Now, look what he asked him to do. You get rid of the stuff that's keeping you from following me and then follow me. And the horrible part of the rest of that story is, and the young man went away sorrowful. He wanted to follow Jesus. He knew what he was supposed to do, but in his heart he said, okay, you gave me the answer, but I don't want to do that. And he went away, and Jesus was sad for him. Is that you this morning? You know what Jesus is asking of you, and you know you shouldn't be doing what you're doing, and yet you say, you know, I just don't want to do that. I'm here to tell you, I've been there, and that's part of the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to convict you and convince you that the Word is true and it's for you, not against you. But you want to play games? It'll be against you. It's a two-edged sword. Let's fast forward a little bit here. We're going to go to verse 12. He's like, that's why the Holy Spirit is coming. Now, look at what he says. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. I I could tell you everything that's inside of me, but you're not ready to receive it. And that may be how you feel when you first get saved. It's like, oh, man, you're on overload. I can't. It's like trying to drink out of a fire hydrant. But I'll tell you the big difference. As soon as I surrendered my life and allowed the Holy Spirit to begin to work in my life, that wise pastor, I began to understand his sermons more. I began to read the Bible more and understand it. I began to bear what I couldn't bear before because something had changed. You know what changed? Me. The word hadn't changed, the preaching hadn't changed, but I had changed. My spirit was now alive inside of me, able to hear, able to receive. And for those that aren't saved, they read this incredible book, and it's just dead ink on dead paper, and it's just stories. Or even worse, they're just Pharisees trying to follow some rules, and the rules will not compel you. But love can. Forgiveness can. The Holy Spirit can remind you of stuff you didn't even know. The Holy Spirit can teach you things and show you things and reveal things to you. Every time I pick this up, it's new. There's stories that I've read, I don't know, hundreds of times, and because of what's going on in my life, I read something that jumps up and like, whoa, where did that come from? I knew I read this before. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit, so that He keeps it a living word. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. 
Verse 13, however, when he, okay, can we just deal with that right here, right now? The Holy Spirit is a he, okay? The Spirit of truth, look at this. He's going to tell you the truth about who you are, what you are, and what needs to happen. Now, you may not want to hear the truth, okay? And to quote Jack Nicholson from A Few Good Men, you can't handle the truth. When before you're saved, you can't handle the truth. But once you're saved, you're desperate for the truth. Once you're saved, you're desperate for the truth. He says, when the Spirit of truth has come, look what he said, he will guide you into all truth, not just the truth that you know now, not just what you've heard. I'll guide you into all truth, stuff you didn't even know was there, a different perspective, things that are just revealed to you spiritually. Peter understood this, right? Jesus says, who do you say that I am? He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, you're not that smart, Peter. You didn't figure that out on your own. But he really said his flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. You didn't get it, but God revealed that to you. That was the Holy Spirit working in him saying, he's much more than you think. He's just not some traveling guy. He's not some carpenter's son. He is much more than what you perceive him to be. The Holy Spirit was revealing to Peter, he is the Christ. And in that moment of revelation, he got it. Look what he says. He will not speak on his own authority. The Holy Spirit does not want to be worshipped. The Holy Spirit speaks what God has said, what the Word says, so that we have the backup between God and the Word to verify what's being said. Look what he says. He will tell you whatever he hears, God hear, what he hears, he will speak. This makes him personal. God's not going to convict you of my sin. Isn't that awesome? He's going to talk right to you because God's going to speak to you about what you're dealing with and your future and your purpose. And your purpose isn't my purpose. We all don't have the same purpose. We just have the same God that says, I know you so well. I'm going to use the Holy Spirit to talk to you about you. That's where it gets a little scary sometimes. We'd rather him talk to us about other people. It's easy to see sin in other people. It's easy to see good things in other people. But some of us, we can't see our own sin and we can't see our own purpose because we've been told we're nothing. For so long, we've begun to believe it. But he's only going to speak what he's heard spoken. And he will tell you things that are to come. He's going to tell you that Jesus is coming back. He's going to tell you you are more than the mistakes of your life. He's going to tell you that even though it feels hopeless right now, there's still hope. Things of the future, not just the far-off future, but the immediate future. That's what the Holy Spirit is there for. Look at verse 14. He will glorify me. Whenever you feel like the prompting of the Holy Spirit, it should be directed towards Jesus. Now, some of you, depending on how you got raised up, we almost begin to worship the Holy Spirit. And can I tell you, that's not biblical. Honor the Holy Spirit. Follow the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't worship Him. We don't elevate Him. He is co-equal with God. He is not higher than the other two 
of the Trinity, and we must not take that out of balance. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. He's going to keep declaring the work of Jesus Christ in your life, through your life, over and over again. Whenever you've got a problem, you see, get this. If you don't get anything else, this will be the most helpful part. Jesus never takes us into problems, but when we find ourselves in problems, if we'll follow him out and allow the Holy Spirit to say, you know what it's going to take to get out of this problem? Follow Jesus out of this problem. Well, what would Jesus do? I'm going to point you back to the Word. And it will tell you. Or He may just convict you and say, this is what you got to do. And sometimes it's so simple. But we don't want to hear it. Jesus, you got to help me. i got another DUI. And the Holy Spirit's probably going to say something really crazy but really scripture like, don't get drunk. Wow, that makes so much sense. If I don't get drunk, I won't drive drunk. Hmm. I don't want to do that. Because <laughs> what we don't want is we don't want to change. We want Jesus to fix it. Just make the charges go away so I can stay drunk and drive. <clears throat> you want to get out of your problem? Follow me. And he's going to keep pointing us to Jesus so that it changes our hearts and changes our lives. Verse 15, all things that the Father has are mine. That's you and that's me. All the authority, all the power has already been given to Jesus. Therefore, I said that he will take care of mine and declare it to you. You heard that on the video that when it seems that we're at our worst point, instead of the enemy saying, yep, there's no way out of us, we've got the spirit of hope, the helper that comes in and says, his mercies are new every morning. Go back to God. He loves you. He'll forgive you. Stop that mess and start a new process. Leave that behind and embrace a new life. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit does. That's why it's there. And those are the things that if you won't believe in the Holy Spirit, you're kind of just stuck with the law all over again. You've been forgiven, but you're just trying to follow the Word. Now, we should be Word people, but we cannot cut off the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. He's our convictor. He's our righteousness. He teaches us how to pray when we don't know how to pray. He's our encourager. He will strengthen us and tell us the truth. And when we don't embrace that, we're stuck with our own truth and our own facts. Instead of Jesus coming through the power of the Holy Spirit saying, yes, you're stuck, but you don't have to stay there. Yes, you're sick, but you can get healed. Yes, you are broken, but you can be remade. Yes, you were caught in sin, but there's a better life ahead of you through Christ. Those are the truths that he wants to share with us, but it only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, or you're just stuck with you trying to follow some rule book, and that never lasts very long. So let's talk about some basics here real quick. And, and if you've been in church for a while, this is pretty simple, but I want to make sure we're all on the same page. I don't want to assume anything, because I've only been around this for, you know, uh, two and a half decades 
And I've seen some pretty confusing stuff. I've heard some pretty confusing doctrine. I've seen some things that I go, that is awesome and incredible. Praise God. And I've seen some things that I'm like, that is not God. That is weird. That's flesh. And I want nothing to do with that. And so you've got a choice. You can either throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't want anything to do with the Spirit. You will not be a full, complete Christian without it. You cannot be a full, complete Christian without it. How can you be Spirit-filled and Spirit-led if you don't engage the Holy Spirit? And that's a mandate in the Bible. Be filled with the Spirit. Did you know that? Be led by the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. It's tough to do that if for your life there's no Holy Spirit or it's just some guy that you put off in the corner someplace. So we're going to handle some basics here this morning. Here's the first one. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a power. It's not a force. It's not a thing. He is the third person of the Trinity. And I've heard people say that, and they get all... This, this is the weirdness that I've talked about, is that somebody will even say of God, they, they believe in God, but they can't even say God. They're like, you know the man upstairs? Well, he has a name. His name is God. And he's not just upstairs. He's all around us. His presence is everywhere all the time. But see, they, they want to believe, but they've got like a disconnect. Or the Holy Spirit is like a force or an it. Or, and you even hear him say that. Yeah, it was powerful this morning. What was? The Holy Spirit. It's not an it. It's a he. He, the Holy Spirit, is a person sent of God. He is the spiritual part of the Trinity to work on our behalf. It's also co-equal with God and Jesus Christ. They're never at odds with each other. None of the Trinity is saying, I don't know, what do you think? Are, are, are we the same? Are we equal? Or, they never argue. They never have an identity crisis. They all flow like they're supposed to flow. Did you know that that's alive in us and there should not be a disconnect? If you can accept God who you can't see, you can accept the Holy Spirit who you can't see. If you can accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and someone that can change your life, you can accept the Holy Spirit as someone that guides us through this life. It doesn't take a lot of brain power to do it. The Holy Spirit, according to Scripture, is God's presence on the earth in Jesus' absence. There will come a day when Jesus will come back to receive His church, and the Holy Spirit and the church will be removed off the planet to reside with Him forever. Please listen up to this part. To neglect, quench, ignore, or abuse the Holy Spirit is to do the same to God. So if you ignore the Holy Spirit, you're ignoring God. I wouldn't do that if I was you. And we use these old-fashioned words maybe to quench, which means the Holy Spirit's trying to work, and we we shut it down. He's beginning, it makes me feel all ooky inside. And you shut it down. 
And I think that happens a lot during worship. Somebody's, you know, maybe you've seen this. You, worship is going. You sense that the Spirit is moving. And there's some people that can't stand still, and they're going in, and they're going out. They're going in and going out. They just get all antsy. It's probably because the Spirit's trying to work in their life, and they're trying to ignore it. They're trying to, ah, it makes me feel like I want to cry. It makes me feel like I should go to the front. It makes me feel different inside, and I don't like that. And what happens if they exist, resist it long enough? They'll find their way out because every time they come here, they're saying, every time I step in there, I'm crying. Every time I step in there, I feel bad. And so they just stop coming, and pretty soon that feeling will go away. But the reality is you cannot biblically believe in God without believing in the Holy Spirit. Biblically. Now, again, anybody can believe anything they want. There's people sitting around you that believe in Bigfoot. And they have absolutely no proof other than Bigfoot hunters on TV. And some of you, you talk to them, and they are staunch. I've seen him. Well, can I tell you? I've seen the Holy Spirit at work in my life and in the work of thousands of other people, and you can't deny anymore just because you haven't seen him. You just don't want to believe I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is alive and well, and it's designed to help the church be what we're supposed to be. See, there's the working of the Holy Spirit. He's supposed to be a helper of mankind to find and to follow Jesus Christ. He's not here to condemn because Jesus didn't condemn. He came to convict the world. He came to guide us into all truth. He came to speak God's Word to us into our hearts and our minds. He came to tell us things that are to come. There's something better on the other side. There's something that you haven't seen yet. Here's a word that you need to have a revelation of so that you get a fullness of what I'm trying to say through my Scriptures. Not just future tense things, but like things tomorrow, things later today, things right now as you're reading His Word. One of His other works is to glorify Jesus. And this is powerful. This is, this is how it works in the church. The Bible is pretty clear that he says, if he'll be lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. You know how that drawing works? The Holy Spirit. No one can come to God unless the Spirit draws them. That means when we glorify Jesus, the Holy Spirit as at work and pleased, and he's trying to draw men into, but if we exalt us, or we exalt the church, or we exalt the Holy Spirit, there's no guarantee that men will be drawn. People will always come to movements of the Holy Spirit like moth to a flame, but it doesn't always point them to Jesus Christ, and that's one of the biggest contributors of the controversy is when we point them to the Holy Spirit and they see the miracles and the signs and the wonders, but nobody's pointing them to Jesus how can a saved life, a non-saved life, embrace Jesus Christ? It can't. All they get caught up is in the signs and the show. And there is power. And I've seen things that, that don't make any human sense. I've had experiences in the Holy Spirit that I can't explain. And, and it's not for me to explain. I just know it's real. But those things won't get anybody saved unless I'm talking about Jesus. And the prompting of the Holy Spirit should help us glorify Jesus and magnify Jesus. And then we get the gift of the Holy Spirit when we accept Jesus. Let's talk about the harsh reality here before we get done and 
we're going to take some time to pray. What about without the Holy Spirit? This should be scary. You see, the church is in a state of change in the West. And I don't mean West Coast, I mean Western world. That more and more we are learning to be the church without the presence of the Holy Spirit. We've learned how to program. We've learned how to have great bands, dynamic teachers and preachers and orators and communicators. But isn't it strange that fewer and fewer people are interested in church? Do you know why that is? No convicting of sin of the Holy Spirit and no drawing of the Holy Spirit because they've learned to watch a show. When that's not what the Holy Spirit, God, or Jesus want at all. Without the Holy Spirit, we're led by our flesh and facts. And that's a sad place to be. Without the Holy Spirit, we're stuck in our sin because there's no conviction. And without conviction, there's no repentance. Without the Holy Spirit, we're at the whim of our intellect or even worse, the crafty intellect of other people that will try to manipulate us. Without the Holy Spirit, we will not naturally stumble upon the truth of God. Take it from someone that knows, 20 years, had not a clue, and I didn't once look at the clouds or the stars or the mountains or the sand or the ocean and say, there must be a God. All I saw was through my own eyes. But I also never heard anyone preach Jesus. Without the Holy Spirit, we won't have the revelation of God's Word. It'll just be stories. Without the Holy Spirit, we tend to exalt and glorify ourselves and our accomplishments. Without the Holy Spirit, the Bible says we are like sheep who have gone astray that are scattered and desperate and driven. But think about the opposite of all of that. Think about the power of the Holy Spirit that comforts us and bears witness saying, no matter how I feel, I am a child of God. The power of the Holy Spirit that knows that I can't get away with sin anymore, that I shouldn't feel comfortable with it, that it should be a big warning light on the dash of my life saying, come on, you got to stop. You keep playing around the edges. you got to stop. You're slipping backwards. You're slipping backwards. Come to me. Plus the glorious liberty. You see, and that's the beauty. We can be spirit-led without becoming Pharisees. Where we think it's our job to point out everybody's sin. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. We can have liberty without being loose cannons. And you've been in some of those services, or maybe you've heard about that. Again, the Spirit of God's moving, but somebody goes beyond the boundaries of what is good and decent and in order, and it becomes a loose cannon. 
We can also be charismatic without being charismaniacs, where we have to do this exalt, weird, I mean, I don't know. And again, if this is you, please don't be offended. But I don't know how rolling on the floor and barking like dogs gives glory to God. But there was a time. And we get caught up in stuff that exalts us or exalts a movement or a service. So make no mistake, the power of the Holy Spirit is to point us back to Jesus Christ to make our lives begin to look more and more like Him. The power of the Holy Spirit, as we're going to talk about this over the next several weeks, is something that you should want, that you should embrace, that you could say, this is for me. It was a present. This was a gift so that I'm not alone and I'm not helpless. I mean, at the very least, it says it helps us to know what to pray when we don't know how to pray. You ever been stuck like that? I've been there. (laughs) I'm convicted, I've got a burden on my heart, and the words fail me. That's when the Holy Spirit comes in and says, I got this. You don't have the words, but I do. You don't know what to say, but I do. And last but not least, if we really want to have a church that's going to impact the world, there has to be a healthy sense of the comforter and the convictor that people are convicted of their sin. It's a shame that people can sit in our churches and not hear a message that convicts them of their sin. And they sit there in their sin feeling like they're okay. Deceiving themselves. And when that time comes, they won't hear the answer they want to hear. So here's how simple it is as we wrap this up. If you've been resisting that, you've been struggling with that, maybe you grew up in that and you're like, I don't want any part of that. I'm not telling you that we're going to go out of control. I promise you we won't. But we can't have church without the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. We can have a program. We can have a religious meeting. But the fullness of the church, the church that gets the light of God shown on it, the church that understands that lives are hanging in the balance, the church that has the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, fully at at liberty to do it and to not go beyond the biblical guardrails that are given, the church that can love one another and bear with one another and exalt one or edify one another, that's a Spirit-led church. Or we've just got some scripture reading and some music which never changes lives. Because I'll tell you what, I remember my first concert. And it wasn't a Christian concert. 1985, almost out of high school. I like to think of myself as an avid member of the KISS Army. 
traveled the gorge in February in the back of a pickup truck wrapped in a sleeping bag to Portland for my first KISS concert. And the environment was jacked. I was excited. The music was good and loud. I think I can still hear the bass. And thousands of people in the crowd took out lighters. I didn't know what that meant at the time. I know what it means now. And began to wave them. And can I tell you, I've been in church services that have less spiritual impact than that. People are standing, but there's no move. There's no remorse at sin. There's no embracing of the Holy Spirit. They're just reading words off a screen. They're just listening to a guy they don't really know talk about words they don't, they've never really read. And so if we want to see what the Holy Spirit is capable of, we've got to let down our guard and become biblical Christians all over again. And that's what I'm asking for this morning, that as we stand, if you'd stand with me, we're going to pray. We're not going to exalt the Holy Spirit, but we're not going to ignore the Holy Spirit. We're going to take a fresh look at what the Scripture says the Holy Spirit is all about, who He says He is, who He wants to be in you and in me and in our church. Because with the Holy Spirit, we're more than we can be as humans. And without it, we're just a systematic program of events.